Week 13, was it unlucky for some? Let's get into it. The Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. They always say the season doesn't start until after Thanksgiving, don't they? So we are officially now in the business end of the season. Let's welcome the lads into the podcast. Steve, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing, matey? I'm good. It's good to be back. The NFL seems to have resumed some sort of normality, I guess. Uh, and we are approaching the business end. So we're starting to see who's actually made of the good stuff and who's uh, who's definitely not making the playoffs in January. So, yeah, it's getting exciting. Yeah, you know you're in the business and when you start seeing the tweets around playoff implications and who can clinch and all of that kind of good stuff coming into a, a weekend. And welcoming in to the podcast for the first time in ages in terms of the main NFL podcast. Welcome in, Kieran. Kieran, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. Didn't have an episode of the Sky Sports wrap-up this weekend due to the fact that snow kind of kills internet in Ohio for some reason. But <laughs> I'm back. And given last night, I am the most smug human in America. <laughs> we will get on to that very, very shortly indeed. I, I can reveal a spoiler that I've watched all the highlights and I've seen every one of three Mac Jones passes. Very impressive indeed <laughs> they were. We'll get on to that a little bit later. Um, let's start though, lads. Let's go chronologically. Um, just touch on some of the results from the weekend before we get into the games that probably mean a little bit more. Uh, the Cowboys back to winning ways, 27-17 over the Saints to open up the week. Probably finishes off the Saints. Well, I say finishes off the Saints. The NFC is that wide open. You could still probably get into the wild card, but certainly the Saints heading backwards. Cowboys right in the wrongs of the last couple of weeks. Colts all over the Texans, 31 to nothing. Texans just waiting for the draft to roll around. Let's touch on, though, fellas, the Lions. They eventually got there. We said that they would get one eventually. They obviously avoided the infamy of 0-17 a few weeks ago with that miserable tie against Pittsburgh. But, Steve, they've finally, finally done it. And it looked like they'd thrown this one away as well, didn't it? But they eventually got over the line. Yeah, and and, and people want you to believe that... Uh, that Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback and it just you watch this game and it just shows that the absolute flaw that he has as a quarterback. Um and I don't mean to sort of start on the on the Vikings because um certainly props to the Lions. They finally won I always thought they would get one. They, there's no like like we have always said, it's very, very difficult to lose seven or seventeen games now in the NFL. It, it's very, very difficult to do it. So I always thought they'd get one. Um I just not necessarily thought it was going to be the Vikings. But um no and it, it, I think it's been coming. Like we've we've been saying for weeks that they've they've been so close to winning some games and there's been field goals and, and interceptions and all sorts of stuff that have managed to somehow pry away that victory. But, you know, Dan Campbell coaches hard. That team, the team really play for him. They're bought into what he's doing. And I think, you know, I think the foundations are there for this Lions team. Don't get me wrong. They are a long way off being competitive. But I think the way that he is, I think if they can get a, a better, I think they need a better quarterback, obviously. I don't think Jared Goff's the answer. Although his, his drive down the field was somewhat impressive. I don't think Jared mm. Goff's the answer. 
answer. I don't think it was ever the answer. I think it was just part of the deal that, that they got Matt Stafford out of the building and got those first rounders. Um, but they've definitely got pieces. And, you know, the uh, Hawkins on the tight end, the uh, running back, DeAndre Swift, I don't even think he played, did he? Um, I think he was out injured. So, you know, they've got good pieces in, in Detroit, but they, it's going to take them a bit of time to sort of build around that. But, you know, um, meanwhile, in Minnesota, you know, I think this is nailed in the coffin for Mike Zimmer. I think this is Zimmer's final season in Minnesota. And I think, you know, the writing is very much much like another uh, NFC North team. I think writing is very much on the wall for the coach come the end of the year. <laughs> and also, can I just point out, it's very strange that we've got to, is it week 13 now? And no head coaches have been fired. That's odd. Usually one or two have gone by now. John Gruden's obviously gone, but he wasn't fired. He left. So it's very strange that none have gone yet. Yeah, they could well... Well, you're getting to the stage now where you almost think he's the much point because we're so close yeah. to the end of the season, I guess. But, you know, there, there could still be something on that. Just in terms of the Vikings, again, another one of these masses of teams that are at five and seven or in and around that mark in the NFC for the wildcard spots are certainly not out of it, but... Kieran, just on that, I mean, obviously, like I say, great that the Lions eventually got that win, but they're still likely picking number one, two or three in the draft. In terms of the Vikings, look, Justin Jefferson, 11 catches for 182 yards. Adam Thielen, one catch for no yardage. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, not again on the field. You know, this offense just seemingly can't get going at all, can it? Yeah, and... That that was the problem. They obviously had like Mattison and Ham and those guys out there, but it's really just not the same, especially when you have a, a running back who's as high level as Dalvin Cook. But the Lions, apparently, doesn't matter who they've got at quarterback, be it Jared Goff or Matt Stafford, they're still kings of the two-minute drill. So maybe they should just run two-minute drill all game because that seems to be the only way they can actually drive the ball down the field. But yeah, just, just disappointing for the Vikings. But I think if everyone saw the uh, video from Jared Goff's girlfriend after the game that no matter how many L's he's taken this year, he's never actually losing. <laughs> yeah, good on the Lions getting the uh, the first victory on the board. Let's move through some of the others. The Dolphins continue to be one of the hottest teams in football. 20-9 to nine over the Giants. They haven't actually lost a game since they came over to London. Um, they take a bye week this week. But now on the back of, is it a five-game winning streak or six-game winning streak now? Five games, I think, isn't it? Yeah, five-game winning streak. Um, you know, again, just another lost season, it seems, for the New York Giants, however, doesn't it? Um, God knows where they start. Uh, the Buccaneers, 30, Falcons, 17, business as usual. Good to see Gronk back in the end zone. He seems to obviously just be scoring in pairs. Got two in the week, one win. Two in the week, two win. Didn't have any until this week and bagged another couple. Um, always great to see the Gronk spike. I will never get tired of seeing that, I've got to be honest. Steve, your Eagles, back to winning ways, 33-18. Gordon Minshew coming in and doing an admirable job. Minshew mania, baby. They were calling him Top Gun, apparently, because of his <laughs> giant moustache. Um, but no, it, it, do you know what? He looked really accomplished. I think, obviously, they, they sort of wrote the offense around him. And I think the Jets have probably have probably schemed all week to face Jalen Hurts and that triple-headed rushing attack, and then Jalen Hurts didn't play. And that sort of really changes how you attack that Eagles offense because Minshew's a different quarterback. He's, you know, he's not, he's not, 
immobile by any stretch. You know, he's not Ben Roethlisberger, but he can still, he's not the Jalen Hurts, you know, snapping ankles type rusher uh, with the with the rock in his hand. So this is sort of a different type of, of attack. And yeah, I thought it was an impressive win um, after the disappointing game last week against the Giants. Um, I was sort of a bit worried that it might be another return to MetLife and just losing again to another New York team. But um, that G- Jets defense is just dreadful. They, they just put up absolutely no competition whatsoever for that Eagles offense and they absolutely had their way with them um and again the Eagles put up I think 150 plus yards and it's only the I think it's the first time a team has put up six consecutive games of 150 plus rushing yards since something like the 70s it's it hasn't been in a long time so you know the Eagles are still carrying that that sort of mentality of you don't want to be facing us right now because try and stop our run you know, we played the Saints a few weeks back and put up 220 odd yards against the number one rush defense in the league. So, you know, no one's got an answer to it. But the problem is, is that is that the defense just leaks points. You know, they the Jets marched down the field and scored on their three opening drives, and the the defense just had no answer to it. So, this this Eagles team, I think, will will be around the 500. They've got a bye this week, and then they've got four divisional games. They could quite easily finish, I think, nine and eight. Um, they might scrape into that number seven seed. I'll sure we'll discuss it later on. Um, but I don't think they'll go much further than that. I think they'll be sort of one and done in the playoffs if they get there. Yeah, indeed, if they do get there. Another team that potentially will still be hoping that they might be able to get into wildcard contention, the Chicago Bears. If I said to you, Kieran, that they ended up with 12 more first downs, they had nearly 100 extra yards, they had the ball for an extra 10 minutes than their opponents, the Arizona Cardinals, you would have thought that everything would be going quite well for Chicago. But they were on the end of a bit of a tonking, really, weren't they? The final score probably doesn't do it justice, 33-22. to 22. In a game that Carla Moriani throws for 115 yards, James Conneroni rushes for 75. This is quite possibly one of the most comfortable Cardinals victories, powered, of course, by four interceptions from the defence. Yeah, um, you can tell me those stats, but the second you tell me at the Chicago Bears, I will just assume that they lost because they are perfect <laughs> at doing that. And I think now we've discovered at this point in the season, Mitch Trubisky wasn't really the problem, was he? And I think given how the Bears have performed and who he sat behind, Mitch Trubisky might have a starting job somewhere in the NFL next year. I think we've been a little bit too harsh on him. Um, And I think Matt Nagy will be the first person gone. I think if we get to a point where the Bears get eliminated from wildcard contention, Nagy's gone. uh, There's no chance he's here at the end of the season unless he has like two or three playoff wins, which, let's be honest, it's not happening, is it? So, Bears... You you guys might have your franchise quarterback, but you don't have a head coach anymore. So maybe another couple of years to you guys can look at winning seasons again. Yeah. What I would just say real quick on the Cardinals as well, to flip that over, is the Cardinals have got an air of these teams that go to Super Bowls because they are winning without even lifting a finger. Like, they've just had Kyler Murray and, and DeAndre Hopkins out for, what, three weeks, I think it was? I don't think either of them have played for three weeks. And, and you know, they're still um, they're still 10-2. and two. They've lost two games all season. I think only one of them was with without Kyler. So, you know, if they're, if they're winning games, I know it's the Bears and you have to take that with a pinch of salt, but the fact is they're the first team to 10 wins. They are winning without even lifting a finger. They are getting players back healthy now. Like, this Cardinals team, if, if we're not taking them seriously already, we have to be now. I think I think they will they will take Green Bay right to the end for the for the number one seed. And if they can get that and have the NFC picture run through um 
uh, run through their stadium, then I think that's going to be a big, big advantage to them rather than having to go to Lambo, for example, if it's the you know NFC Championship game, because that's a difficult place to go when you're used to the 110 degree heat of the Arizona desert. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a little bit different, yeah. Um, you mentioned that the fact that they hadn't played together, still managed to hook up for one of the nicest plays of the weekend, the Hopkins catch in the corner of the end zone. Initially ruled out of bounds and rightfully overturned on replay. Um, delightful catch. And yeah, you can certainly see those two and the rest of that team um, causing a lot of problems come playoff time. They'll certainly fancy the chances to go an awfully long way. Let's carry on going through them, fellas. One of the more entertaining games was actually the one that was on Sky Early Doors that Keenan would have got an instant reaction to had the snow uh, not prevented him from doing so. But it was the Bengals and the Chargers. Uh, Chargers ended up with a big win in this one, didn't they? 41-22. to 22. Chargers burst out to a big lead. The Bengals pulled it near enough all the way back. And then a couple of killer plays, really. Joe Mixon fouling on a two-point conversion. Following Bengals drive, Joe Mixon coughing up the ball on a fumble and it was returned to the end zone. And then, you know, they never looked back from there, did they, the Chargers? But, Kieran, I know you've got a soft spot for the Bengals because of your love for Mr. Burrow. Um, like I say, interesting game, this one. Certainly, like I say, ties both teams at seven and five. Two teams, you know, that would be in the playoffs if you finished today. So, still very much in contention for things. Uh, but a huge win for the Chargers, this one. Yeah, and I think the biggest takeaway, especially for a lot of people who aren't as familiar with Joe Burrow as maybe I am, being an LSU fan, they now know he's a complete and utter psychopath. It doesn't matter if this man's... Look, to get him off the field, it took an MCL, uh, ACL, and complete... Uh, what is it? Your patella. To, to almost rip off of his body for this man to leave the field. So the fact that his finger was off at a right angle, I don't think he was that bothered. But the Bengals seem to be the only team beating themselves this year. Every game they've lost this year was just down to them not playing properly. We look at the biggest momentum swing in this entire game came from that um, pick that Joe threw at start where Jamar Chase just forgot his hands existed. And the ball came down and he's like, hold on, do you want this? <laughs> All right, safe. Passed it off to the cornerback behind him. And there, there was just a big momentum swing from there. You saw Joe, he was looking frustrated. There was a lot of communication problems with the offense. You saw they had a couple delay of games. They had to call timeouts late. The, the team was just not firing for some reason. And then the Chargers really took advantage for that. Justin Herbert is one... I, I think we're going to be looking at him as one of the top 10 quarterbacks across the league uh, in, in the next few years. He's got ridiculous arm talent. He's he's tall, he's mobile, uh, and the Chargers just absolutely feasted on every single mistake the Bengals made. It, it's I think the Bengals have bounced back. No doubt they are a brilliant team, but th this was a good, good game for the Chargers. And they're saying, hey, I know a lot of people saying we were going to wait a year for our Super Bowl window to be open. But I think the Chargers can win a playoff game this year. They are a su uh, supreme squad. And, and I think you'd be remiss to look over them this year because if you look over this team, especially in the playoffs, you are losing. 
Yeah, Steve, it's it's two teams though, really, isn't it? That you know, I wouldn't have been surprised had I seen this result the other way around either. You know, these two teams seem capable of of these type of performances, don't they? You know, the Chargers have had some big wins and then some disappointing losses. You can say exactly the same about Cincinnati. It's all going to come down to who can consistently perform week in and week out. If you had to pick one of the two, let's assume only one of them makes it at this stage. You know, we'll obviously wait and see who plays out. But if you had to pick one of the two, which one do you trust the most? It's so difficult, isn't it? Because the Chargers, I was high on the Chargers going into sort of um, probably about week five, week six, when they lost they lost to the Ravens in a really disappointing performance. And they lost to the Patriots and then they came out and beat the Eagles. And so that, at that point, they were five and three. And I thought, you know, this Chargers team is definitely good enough. And at that point, the, the Chiefs were all over the place. And you, you could think, well, if they can win the that division, then they're certainly going to go far. But they seem they just seem to be in this weird slump where they can't decide if they're a good team or not. Like they beat the Eagles, but then they lose to the Vikings. Then they beat the Steelers and put 41 points up against them in an absolute shootout and then they lose to the Broncos but then they beat the Bengals next week they've got the Giants are they going to lose to the Giants like I hope not like if this if this team wants to go somewhere this is where they need to start making a bit of a statement their remaining games going out of this out of the season is Giants Chiefs Texans Broncos Raiders you know you've got to be looking at that and thinking well if we can win four of them maybe lose to the Chiefs, that's 11-6. and six. That's a pretty damn good record for the Chargers. And I'm sure if you told most Chargers fans you'd be finishing 11-6, they'd snap your hand off at the start of the season. Um, you know, so that's that's a, a pretty good season for them. But then you look at the, the Bengals, they were on a, a bit of good form before this loss. And they've got a tough game against the 49ers this week. So, you know, uh, that's not going to be easy for them. Uh, and Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns. So they they finish it out with that's a, that's like a, a pretty uh, difficult sort of run of games with a couple of divisional ones thrown in there as well. So I th- it's it's tough, isn't it? I think I I think just because of schedule, I think I'd probably pick the Chargers. They are both intriguing sort of AFC teams that are you, you at the start of the season you probably would have said oh they're, they're still a couple of years off, but I think they've sort of surpassed all of our expectations and they're actually probably a couple of wins more in the win column than we all thought they would. Be. Um, I think the Chargers are probably a little further ahead. I think I prefer um, Brandon Staley as a coach rather than um, Zach Taylor as well. I think he's a bit more of this sort of inventive offensive mind. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't put it past either one of them. And at the moment, they're both in the playoff picture. And I think I think you'd probably at this point think that they're, they're both a good shot of making it. But we'll see. We will indeed. Let's carry on then. Rams, Jaguars, uh, one-sided, wasn't it? 37-7. Odell Beckham can indeed catch garbage time touchdown passes. <laughs> uh, 37-7. The Raiders, 15. Washington, 17. Washington quietly have snuck to a 6-6 six and six record. And Steve, we were talking about this before we hit the on-air button. Uh, like I say, it has been a little bit quietly that the, that the football team have put this run together. Um, but that's now victories in, you know, games against the Bucks, against the Panthers, against the Seahawks, against the Raiders. Um, you know, they're certainly not out of things and they have got two games still to come against the Dallas Cowboys in terms of this week and in a couple of weeks time. They all of a sudden are huge games. We'll preview that one a little bit later on in the podcast, but uh, this Washington team, all of a sudden, now they've stopped conceding 30 points a game. They're actually quite competitive again, aren't they? Yeah, I mean they're they're finding ways to win. Like they've, like you said, they've they've beaten some pretty impressive teams over the last four weeks, and wins against you know you never you're never going to 
snuffle a win against Tom Brady against and the Bucks. You know, the Seahawks, uh, you know, at the moment are not, and the Panthers are probably not where they should be, but they're still wins on the wheeling column. And then a win against a Derek Carr-led sort of Raiders team that I thought, you know, off the back of a win against Dallas, I thought that was going to be a victory for the for Las Vegas. I sort of chalked it up for a Vegas victory. But, you know, this this Washington team is showing that they've got some, um, you know, they've they've still got some juice and they're still able to, to pull out a victory. And on the back of some pretty serious injuries as well, like, you know, they've lost Chase Young for the year. Um, Fitzpatrick never even played a snap on it. Or if he did, he was very much in a few of the week ones and then he was out. So, you know, they've they've dealt with some some injuries to, to some, some key, well, supposed key players. And Taylor Heineke, he remains this sort of polarizing figure of, you know, is he any anything more than just a sort of average guy that, that the rest of the roster is sort of elevating him? Um, you know, Antonio Gibson's having a good season. Terry McLaurin's having a really good season. You know, he always does because he's a hell of a hell of a wide receiver. Um, and Washington now have got five games against divisional opponents. They play the mm. Cowboys twice, they play the Eagles twice, and then they finish at the Giants. So they've got a, this NFC East has got a really interesting finish coming because, as we've as we said, you know, Dallas is not home and dry. Absolutely not. And this and this um, Washington Dallas sort of rivalry, putting the Eagles aside, has got a lot of shades of the sort of um, Ravens Browns rivalry, where they play each other twice in three weeks, and a lot could hang uh, hang on what those games come out of. If Washington can win both of them, which I think is unlikely, you know, I think somehow they could win the NFC East. But if Dallas wins both, then I think Dallas pulls away, and then it's just going to be a race for if anyone can get in that seventh spot. But, you know, they lost four, and now they've won four. So if they keep this momentum rolling, momentum's a big thing in the NFL. We talk about it every week. You know, and especially at this time of the season, you look at the, the books last year, they won, what was it, eight in a row to finish the season? Like, if you build this momentum towards the end of the season, you take that into play, offs you can beat anyone certainly can you certainly can Kieran I'm going to throw a question to you about a division that has absolutely zero consistency whatsoever and that my friend is the AFC North where it seems that nobody wants to win it um Baltimore's turn this week to throw one away 20 to 19 against the Steelers um it brings everybody in the division to at least six wins it brings everybody within you know no more than two games of the ravens there's lots of divisional football still to play another killer injury for the ravens as well with marlon humphrey going out for the season i don't know how many more they can handle if they can even handle the amount they've got now because you know we've talked about it enough on this podcast to me and josh always get accused of being biased but the Ravens haven't been playing good football. I think you would struggle to find many Ravens fans that tell you they've been playing good football. Um, and, you know, it caught up with them this week. They gambled at the end. I'll ask for your thoughts on that decision to go for the two-pointer because um, they could have potentially tied the game with the most accurate kicker in NFL history. It was basically a guaranteed point that would have got them to overtime. They went for the win and it backfired. Um, like I said, tell me, mate, sort out this AFC North because I'm as confused as hell. Yeah, first of all, I still think it was the right decision to go for two. I don't think anyone would disagree with that unless they're one of the old, you know, Captain Hindsight or whatever. That was definitely the right decision. Look, uh, uh, Mark Andrews could have made it to the end zone. Lamar just threw a bad pass, which he shouldn't be doing as an NFL MVP. I wouldn't. Have, I would have gone for two, personally. I'd rather put the game away, given how that game had gone. If you go for overtime, it's then a coin flip. And if you lose the coin flip, you lose the game, essentially, given how that game had gone and the fact that you have nobody in your secondary. At that point, there's just no one there. So, yeah, right decision. But 
you know, these plays don't always go your way. Uh, but I don't know what the Ravens have been doing. This was a game that going into it looked very much like, you know, Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul. That one inexperienced team that can't quite get it done against actual NFL teams versus a team that consistently wins against uh, high-level opponents and came in with two rib injuries. Uh, so the Ravens turned to Tyron Woodley and got battered about by a team that has no business playing in the NFL right now. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offensive line. About the best player on the team's a running back who can't get anything done because he has to run into defensive ends every single play. The, the Steelers are not a good team but neither are the Ravens at this point. I think both teams need to be like, well, this is the Cleveland and Bengals division, at least uh, for, for the next year from the Steelers' perspective. But the Ravens just, season's done, lads. Um, save you guys, get a good draft pick, and we'll see you next year probably to be as dominant as you normally are. But oh, it's just, a, it, I, I'm sure it was a great game for you to watch, Sean. Being a Browns fan, you hate both the Ravens and the Steelers, <laughs> but for actual NFL fans to watch, it was just... I've seen more entertaining and more technical Sunday league games, mate. So I don't know what was what was going on. Lamar Jackson's just shit the bed past couple of weeks. It's been I don't know yeah, what's look, happening, mate. Yeah, I, I was in that strange position. I actually wanted them to kick the extra point, and then for another ten minutes of blanking overtime, I, I was actually hoping <laughs> for a Charlie this week, um, which was a bit of a strange position to be in. Look, it's been a good week for the Browns in terms of the Bengals losing and the Ravens losing. I still think the Browns' best chance of playoffs is through the division. It opens all that back up again. Obviously, they need to win this week. We'll get on to the preview shortly. Um, but in terms of this game, great fourth quarter from the Steelers. 17 points unanswered in that um in that fourth quarter to, to sort of get to that position of giving the Ravens something to think about, um, you know, like him or loathe him when it needed to be done. Big Ben got it done by hook or by crook. Thought Deontay Johnson had an excellent game. Um, he really did. TJ, what continues to be a wrecking ball, doesn't he? Now leads the league in sacks three and a half. If you've got TJ Watt and if you've got Minka Fitzpatrick and you've got some of the players on that defence, you are always going to be competitive. As many problems as they have offensively, and we've talked about that enough, um, and I agree with what you said about the running, but, you know, Najee Harris, he must have a thousand carries this year and still only have about 800 yards. He just, the poor guy, he's just swallowed up in the backfield every time he seemingly touches the ball. Um, you know, but like I say, it's a, it's one of the more crazy divisions in football. Um, it really typifies the AFC in a division. You know, it's the entire AFC is very similar. Um, and this one is now different. Steve, you want to make a point on this game? Okay, yeah, just a couple of takeaways for me. Um, I think this this win for Pittsburgh cements the fact that Mike Tomlin is the best coach in the NFL that's not named Bill Belichick. Um, the uh, Ravens have got 13 guys on IR, 13, including the likes of Marcus Peters, LJ Fort, um, you know, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Ronnie Stanley. You know, they've got some big guys on IR, and they just keep they seem to keep losing important guys every week. And and Marlon Humphrey going down is a big loss. Um, and you just wonder how much more they can take. But you know, and and Lamar Jackson is not picking the best year to have a pretty bad year. Well, I say bad year. You know, he's not playing his best football, is he? You know, if he was elevating them, they'd probably be sort of in the nine or maybe even ten wins column. But somehow this Ravens team is still eight and four, so they're definitely not done. Like they can still make it to the playoffs. They've got to win a couple more games, and you'd think they'd get there um, with the way this AFC is. So it, it's definitely not over. Um, 
And with and, and your point on Najee Harris, when will teams learn? I've been banging this drum for so long. It's the same the same thing has happened to uh, Zeke. The same thing has happened to um uh, uh, I forget his name in New York, the Russian back that they took Saquon. The, the second Saquon. You know, if you take these guys early in the first round and then load them up with with carries in their first couple of years, their legs go and then they get injured and then they can't run in the NFL for much longer. You just, I just don't get it. So yeah, Najee Harris, whilst he is a good player, watch these injuries over the next couple of years because if they keep overloading him with carries, he won't last very long. No, completely, completely agreed. The 49ers would love to load anybody up with carries, but they can never seem to get the same running back on the field two weeks running. Uh, didn't matter who was playing running back this week, though. Seven turnovers in this game. It was a really entertaining game for the neutral. The Seahawks seemingly have a bit of a stranglehold on the 49ers, don't they? Seahawks 30, the 49ers 23. Uh, just when you thought the 49ers were potentially lined up to have a really good run, um, they hit a stumbling block. Um, I still can't believe Adrian Peterson has found yet another NFL team and has scored yet another NFL touchdown. Ties him now with Jim Brown on 126, so congratulations to AP. Uh, the Chiefs all over the Broncos in Sunday night football. Um, you know, If the Chiefs' offence can be limited to 15 points, that should be enough for you to win games. The Denver offence did not show up at all. Really pedestrian day for Teddy Bridgewater, 22 of 40 couple of picks thrown in there as well. Um, Javante Williams probably proving that he should have got more of the lion's share of work throughout the season. He took his opportunity without... Um, oh, the other guy's name skips me. What's the other guy's name that he's been sharing the carries with all year, fellas? Help me out. No, no. Broncos. Oh, Used Broncos. to be with the Chargers. What was his oh, name? Um... um... <sighs> Um, we've all had a bro- we've all had a brain fart. Melvin Gordon, there you go. Melvin Gordon, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Javante Williams stepped out of his shadow, um, and like I say, had a pretty decent game. But overall, the Chiefs always in control. But Patrick Mahomes again, fifteen of twenty-nine for one hundred and eighty-four. Not exactly stellar stuff. Tyree Kill, only two receptions for 22. Travis Kelsey, three for 27. This Broncos defense is more than good enough to win them games, uh, but they're going to need more from the offense. And again, they're another one of those teams that sit at six and six, not out of it. Do you trust them to get in it? Probably not. And then we finish off, fellas, with the thriller that was Monday night football. Um, Kieran said to me earlier, he managed to stay awake. And I did think to myself, well, at least for you, it was like, you know, evening time. Anybody in the UK that stayed up to watch this one? My God. 14-10 to the New England Patriots. Doesn't tell half the story, does it? Um, I'm sure you've all heard by now the infamous Mac Jones stat line, which will probably live in infamy, won't it? Two of three for 19 yards. Even one of those passes was about three yards behind the line of scrimmage, um, which someone turned into a seven-yard gain. It's absolutely hilarious if you look at the box score. John Smith, one reception for 12. Brandon Bolden, one for seven. Nelson Aguilar will be disappointed. He was the man targeted and the ball didn't get completed. Uh, so he appears on the stat sheet. But Kieran, it's not just that. It's the fact that actually you take away the 64-yarder from Damian Harris who had 111 rushing yards. I mean, we talk about a war of attrition. This really was a absolute chess match, wasn't it? Uh, uh, the funny thing is, I'll give you this stat to start with because it really points out how ridiculous last night's game was. Um, 41% of the Patriots' gains last night, running gains, came on free plays. And we all know what one of those plays was. And that's when Damon Harris decided that 
I, I really don't like defenders, so I'm just going to bust through and hit their end zone on like a 30-something-yard run. Oh, it's just a ridiculous game to watch. I mean, Allen went out there to punt it. Sorry, Bailey. Jake Bailey went out there to punt it, and the, the ball trajectory was affected by how strong the wind was when it dropped from his hand to his foot. Josh Allen was having to throw ridiculous cut-in passes to even make the ball travel in the air. He can't. He couldn't throw any more than, what, 20 yards or the ball would have been whipped out the stadium. It was just such a ridiculous game to watch. And it just turns out that, you know, we knew this already, but the Bills don't have a run game and the Patriots have one of the best run games in the AFC. So we saw guys like Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, absolutely popping off last night. Damon Harris had uh, 111 yards on 10 carries. That's ridiculous. Ramondre Stevenson had 24 carries for 78 yards. So not quite as impressive production-wise. And then and then even Brandon Bolden, the old fossil, got in and had some yardage last night. But um, Mac Jones, absolutely stellar stat line. 66.6% completion percentage. Absolutely <laughs> amazing for a rookie. Better than Josh Allen's 50% uh, completion. He, he threw 15 for 30, 145 yards and a touchdown. He actually found... Um, Gabriel Davis in the end zone. We saw that, just that quick little slant, took a guy underneath, absolutely perfect play for them. But it it, it was a weird, weird game that, that happened last night. And sorry if you hear my dog bark and he's a puppy and he's a bit of an asshole. Um, but yeah, very weird game. I did actually fall asleep um, in the closing seconds of the game. I remember my girlfriend tugging my leg and saying, hey, do you want to come up to bed? And I was like, oh, game's still on, game's still on. Um, but it wasn't. Uh, so, so yeah, not the most entertaining game, but I think it really proves that Bill Belichick, still probably the best coach in the NFL. I mean, we, we saw Sean McDermott kind of cry a little bit after the game, saying, Bill Belichick, he doesn't deserve that much credit. Well, apparently he does, because there's not many teams that can find a way to win uh, in games like this, and the Patriots did. So, seven straight wins. Number one seed in the AFC. I'll back up to say this because every Patriots fan knows what's coming. How does it feel to be the number one seed in the AFC? Oh, yeah! <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts, my friend. Enjoy it while it lasts. Steve, let's... Um... We'll, we'll let Kieran bask in his Patriots glory for a minute. Let's talk Buffalo. We talked a few weeks ago, didn't we, about the lack of run game. And it becomes more and more relevant when you get to this stage of the season, when you're playing in that cold weather and you're playing in the difficult conditions. We talked about it in terms of would that hamper them in the playoffs. Are we at the point of actually saying, does it hamper them to even get in the playoffs at this stage, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Like This is, this is alarm bells should be ringing in Buffalo now but you and to, to be fair you've been saying this for about six weeks now like the buffalo needs a run game and they can't go all the way without one and you know their stat line shows in this game that they just don't have one you know they had 99 rushing yards last night and 39 of those were from josh allen you know like if you take those 39 rushing yards off what's what even is that performance devin singletree was 36 yards from 10 carries you know and, and, you know, the weather aside, the, the, I think what stands out to me about this game is that this was buff, this is Buffalo's territory. Like, this is what the weather is like in Buffalo in December. 
This is what it is. And Buffalo sort of looked at it, looked at this and would have went, right, this is the weather. This is what's going to be. Come and beat us, New England. And New England, Bill Belichick went, okay, we're going to do that. And they just did. And Buffalo had no answer. Um, and this was, I think this is an alarming loss for, for Buffalo. And I think, you know, earlier on in the season, you would have looked at this and said, yeah, this will be the game where Buffalo will sort of seal their AFC East title. This will be the game that they'll win. And this will be it. And that by that point, they'll probably be on sort of 10 wins, nine wins, something like that. And that'll probably be the AFC wrapped up for them. Um, no, no way. Like at this point, you're looking at Buffalo and thinking you might get like a number six seed, maybe, maybe the fifth. Cause that don't, at this point, I don't think they're winning the AFC East anymore. You know, it's still, it still could be a coin flip. It still certainly still could go their way. And they, I'm, I'm open to, to be convinced that they can still do it, but you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, he made a great catch last night. It was a stunning catch for him to turn around and catch that. But apart from that, he's had a relatively quiet season. Um, Josh Allen, by his own standards, is not having the best season. You know, he seems very quiet. And I just don't really know where this Buffalo team sort of goes from here. Um, uh, and and for a team that I was high on enough to think, you know, they're, they're probably going to walk the AFC and will be the number one or number two seed and be up there with your, with your Chiefs and, and those types of teams. And right now, you wonder where they go next. They've got to, they face a trip to Tampa next week. So, you know, it doesn't, the season doesn't get any easier for them. Um, and, and yeah, big questions got to be asked. And it does make you think, like, you know, has their, has their ship sailed? Like, has their chance, was it last season? And, and you know, failing to to get to the to the ball game last year is that going to come back and haunt them because you know they've thrown away some games this year but last night is a game they should have won they really should have won that you know i think back to like the the snowball philadelphia detroit when when the sean mccoy ran all over detroit like that's this is the type of game that is built for running backs and if you want to make a name for yourself in the running in in the nfl in a game like this if you're a running back this is where you put a stamp down and, and make a performance like that and you'll remember you remembered for it so you know single three i'm not i'm not blaming him solely the game is not his fault that they lost it but you know he could have he's obviously not the number one guy and they need a second to have this sort of you know twin pronged attack like a lot of nfl teams do nowadays um so yeah obviously great for the great for the new england uh, for a team that i was low on to start with and have sort of like you like you said kieran they've sort of come out of nowhere and probably a few a few years earlier than people thought they would have been for their sort of playoff push but you know they're going to the bye week with number one the afc they probably won't be there because they're in a bye week you know next weekend but um, yeah, that all of a sudden that that division looks quite interesting because Miami have won five in a row as well. So <laughs> all of a sudden it doesn't look so wrapped up anymore. Yeah, I thought this was a throwaway year for the Patriots, given that we just drafted a quarterback, a guy who I wasn't exactly high on. I knew he was the most pro ready, but I didn't think he'd actually be any good uh, in his first year. But what you said about the Bills, absolutely spot on. If they had a run game, they're playing in the Super Bowl last year. That's just a fact that that that's how you beat Kansas City, but. When your guy's going for a half a yard every single handoff, you're not going to keep possession of the ball very long. So they they need a run game to be a Super Bowl contender. When you look at Super Bowl teams and Super Bowl winning teams over the past few years, they have a run game. They have everything the Bills have, which is a great quarterback, a good offensive line, a good defense, solid veterans. But the one thing the Bills don't have is the run game. Look at the Buccaneers. They got 
Lombardi Lenny, Rojo, they've got a ton of talent there at running back. We, even the Chiefs, their run game wasn't great last year, but they still had moments from guys like Clyde Edwards Alaire. And the Bills, the fact that they've done as well as they have, while probably averaging about 20, 20 yards a game, and most of that being from their quarterback, is something you've got to take your hat off to, but it's just not going to get you over that final hump. As we know, when football starts in the postseason, it's a different game, and you need to have that running game to succeed. Yeah, you most definitely, definitely do. We've touched on it a few times, fellas, so we'll start to have a quick look at Week 14 um, in a bit more depth, just in terms of where we are with the playoffs. So, like you say, New England, as Kieran has told you, number one seed as it stands, nine and four. I still think it's ridiculous that we're now approaching Week 14 and the Patriots still haven't had their bye week. Um, I know there's a few other teams that are in that scenario as well, but it is ridiculous. So nine and four for New England, eight and four Tennessee, eight and four Baltimore, eight and four Kansas City. Then try and work out where the wild cards are coming from. Seven and five LA, seven and five Cincinnati, seven and five Buffalo. And then on the outside looking in, you've got Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Denver, and even Miami, all within a game and a half of the wild card. 13 of the 16 teams in the AFC are very, very much alive as things stand. In terms of the NFC, obviously much more top-heavy. Arizona, as Steve said, only lost the two games, so they sit at 10-2. and two. Um, I think they can actually clinch a playoff position this week if it's not already clinched. I think they can certainly do it this week. Um, Green Bay, 9-3. and three. Tampa, 9-3. and three. Dallas, 8-4. and four. The Rams, 8-4. and four. And then you have, at the moment, Washington are in at the sixth seed at 6-6. Six and six. San Francisco, 6-6. Six and six. Philly, 6-7. And, and then there's a bunch of teams, including Minnesota, Carolina, Atlanta, and the Saints at 5-7. and seven. Um, So, yeah, a really, really crazy, crazy playoff picture, fellas. So, let's look at week 14 then in a bit of depth and games that probably are a bit meaningful. So, the Vikings and Steelers um, is the first one that opens us up. Thursday night football. Um, difficult game to call, really, because you just don't know which version of either of these two teams is going to turn up. I don't like Big Ben off a short week. I've got to be honest, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. But, you know, can you trust the Minnesota team to deliver? Um, the Vikings are at home. They probably, I would suggest, therefore, open up as favourites. I can probably get the game line while you two fellas have a chat about it. But, Steve, I'll come to you first on that one. Vikings-Steelers to open up the week. Big game, obviously, cross-conference game, but big game for both teams. Yeah, it seems like a game, a game where both teams are in a very similar situation. Like, they're sort of on the precipice looking in. Obviously, Pittsburgh are in a bit more favourable at the moment, having a positive record with that tie a few weeks ago, which we won't bring up for everyone's sanity. <laughs> um, um, and, and Minnesota are a team that, that should be doing better than they are, but, you know, questions being asked at head coach and, and uh, quarterback. Um, this is one of those games where... You, one week, one team could win it. Another week, another team could win it. Like, there's no obvious winner, I don't think, here. I think, you know, um, it is at home for Minnesota, so maybe they have the sort of home field advantage. But, you know, this this Steelers defense is just so, is is, is really, really uh, competitive. And so long as TJ Watt's out there and, you know, and rushing um, rushing quarterbacks, I think the Steelers are always going to have a chance. Um, you know, this defense has got some real good pieces and that they've got a, a few people coming back as well. Um, so I, I, w- I think I'll probably pip the Steelers, but not by much. Um, and I think they're, you know, again, I think it's come back, comes back to Mike Tomlin. Like, you know, I, I rate Mike Tomlin far more than I do Mike Zimmer. So I think, uh, I think I'd, I'd, I'd back the Steelers with this one. 
Yeah, the Vikings actually do open up as three-point favourites, which is effectively home field advantage, like you say. So certainly not a lot to call in it. Um, Whiz through the next few because they probably aren't going to have huge playoff implications. The Jets host the Saints. The Panthers host the Falcons and the Texans host the Seahawks. Then we get into the Chiefs hosting the Raiders. Now, the Raiders one of those teams that are 6-6, six and six, but all of these teams that are 6-6 six and six are at that point now where you almost feel another loss is the final nail in the coffin or certainly very, very close to making sure that that coffin lid never does reopen. The Chiefs open up big favourites in this one, Kieran, nine and a half points. They're at home. Nine and a half points seems generous the way Kansas City have been playing in general. However, with that said, their defence in particular has been mightily impressive over the last month. We should give credit where it's due. We were critical of it to open up the season. I think they have been probably the best defence over the last month, certainly statistically. Um, So certainly you can see why the Chiefs are favourite. And this potentially, like I say, does possibly get to the point where the Raiders are looking really uh, vulnerable to make the playoffs, doesn't it? Yeah, never thought we'd I'd hear anyone say that the Chiefs have got one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's just not who they are. But the Raiders, God, they are they they always have been the most inconsistent team in the entire NFL. Like last year they had they handed Kansas City one of their I think one of their only losses up until one point in the season. But yeah. the Chiefs seem to be building and climbing and climbing and getting back to the spot they were last year. Hopefully, I think they're going to want to go to a Super Bowl and score no touchdowns again. But this is a game that if they lose, I think we can probably count them out of being a top seed because uh, this would not. This is not a game you can afford to lose. I think the Chiefs do win, but I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people are saying because they have not been impressive on offense. And this Raiders defense, despite you know, not always being turning up. Guys like Max Crosby have been absolutely wrecking people this year. So he could be a real problem for Patrick Mahomes. We saw what happens when Patrick Mahomes get pressured and that's, you know, nine points in a Super Bowl. So should be interesting to see what Max Crosby does to that offensive line this week. Yeah, yeah, it certainly will be a good one. Uh, Browns, Ravens, Steve. Um, I've talked about it briefly earlier. It's a must win for the Browns. There's no way about it. I think either for wildcard or divisional aspirations. Um, the Ravens can probably therefore afford to lose it, but they're certainly not going to want to lose it. They, uh, they will want to stop um, that slide. They won't want to lose back-to-back divisional games. Um, I obviously wasn't on the pod last week. I'm still reading from the fact that the Browns managed to take the ball away four times from Lamar Jackson and not win a fortnight ago. Tell me it's going to be different this weekend. I remember a couple of weeks back when we when we sat here and I said to you you and Josh, like, this is this is it. This is your season-defining moment. And I think if you lose to Baltimore, that's it. Because I, I, I can't see where where the remaining wins come from, from from the remaining scheduled five more games you pretty much have to win probably four of the five to get in and it's and, and it starts now and and this this cleveland need to take this as a right we've had our bye week let's come back and let's all guns blazing let's go and show what the nfl what we can do and and how we can unite as a team and win four or five games in a row and then go into the playoffs on the, on this momentum but everything that i've seen so far from the cleveland from the Cleveland Browns this season doesn't tell me that like they are six and six for a reason. They've been so inconsistent and you'll be the first to tell me that, you know, when they have good moments in the game, something else falls out 
it's like you're constantly trying to fill all the holes and then when 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 you think you've got them all filled something else opens up you know whether it's injuries whether it's inconsistent quarterback play whether it's receivers dropping the ball whether it's defenses just allowing offenses just to walk all over your your team like it, it, i just don't understand where this cleveland team is i think there's a lot of um similarities this season with with perhaps um buffalo of this like you know the, so much expectation going into the season and actually they've probably been quite disappointing by a lot of standards so i think this is this is a massive massive game um cleveland will be happy to have this one at home and be bringing this weakened ravens team and obviously you know them missing uh marlon humphrey will be a will be a massive loss for for uh, Baltimore, and you just got to hope that that Lamar's plays the same that he did last week when he threw four interceptions. But this time, that defense has got to make it count. They've got to make it count. Um, and I think for Cleveland, it doesn't really matter how you win; you just got to win. Just get that W in the column and then move on to next week and keep the momentum rolling. Um, but I'd be intrigued to see how you think this is going to go out. From from you know, you've had a week to stew on this. The bye hmm. week's gone. You come back to Baltimore again. You know, the old enemy. How do you see it going? Yeah, look, I mean, all joking aside, I, I do struggle to understand how they didn't win, you know, a fortnight ago. Now they should have won that game. They had enough chances. Look, this offense isn't going to get fixed in a bye week. I don't care what anybody says, um, you know, whether it's personnel or scheme or what, you know, they haven't just, they haven't got the weapons in the receiving game, which, you know, is, and, and that's specifically at the receiver position. You know, they've got quality backs, they've got quality tight ends, but they don't have the right blend of receivers. It doesn't seem, everything seems to be quite congested in the field. And look, you know, the biggest question is how how much is a week off benefited Baker Mayfield in terms of his injuries, you know? That's going to be the key question. Defensively, the Browns have got better throughout the season. You know, they were good defensively. They've been good defensively now since the Patriots game. They got walloped against the Patriots, and then they've been pretty good defensively since then. I think the Browns will limit the Ravens in terms of points. It's can the Browns' offense score enough? Um, you know, there's a lot more talk of Chubb and Hunt being on the field together, which Cleveland fans have been crying out for all year to get your two best weapons on the field at the same time. We'll wait and see if that uh, transpires. Um, but look, it is genuinely season or bust. And like I say, that's from wildcard and divisional perspective as far as I'm concerned, because Cleveland's record in the AFC would drop to three and six if they lose this one. And when you come to tie breaks, it's just not going to get the job done. Simple as that. So for me, the Browns have got to win four out of five at least, and they've really got to be all the AFC games that they win. So that's the three divisional ones and the Raiders game. Don't expect them to beat the Packers Christmas Day. Um, you know, hopefully ten and hopefully ten and seven might be enough. Who knows? We will wait and see. But um, another interesting game, certainly. Um, let's move to the. Well, I'll tell you. What, let's skip through a few Titans Jaguars. Titans should, in theory, take care of business there. Charges against Giants. Steve sort of said earlier. Surely they won't lose to the Giants. Probably wouldn't be the biggest surprise if they did. But you would imagine that the Chargers should take care of business. The Broncos against the Lions. We said the Broncos' defense is good enough. You'd imagine that they would limit the Lions in terms of what they can do, and would again probably come out with a win in this one. So let's then get into fellas some of the tasty games that remain. Kieran, let's come to you. The Bengals and the 49ers. Again, another one that's cross-conference, uh, but really important for both teams. They're both actually the six seeds, or six and seven seed, I should say. Six for the Bengals, seven for the Niners. So an important game for both of them, respectively. Yeah, it, it, it's a must-win game for both teams, and I think, honestly, as we're going towards the playoffs, Bengals probably have the better shot in the playoffs. Um, they've had more impressive outings this season. They've got a better quarterback. Joe Burrow is now 
not the best first game back with his brace off, but he is technically at full health now. He should be. His, it, I, I think they said week 14, his, his knee is fully healed. So he should be back to old Joe Burrow throwing less picks, less of a gunslinger, more of a surgical guy. I think we'll probably see that. Uh, but the 49ers still in the playoff hunt somehow. Jimmy G, they bought Trey Lance in and Jimmy G said, hold up, I ain't done. He's not looked terrible this year, let's be honest. He still had that patented super quick release that Jimmy G's got. He can keep hold of the ball. He can he can kind of hit people downfield. He is His accuracy is on and off, which I don't get how you can be so accurate one place, placing balls perfectly in the next, overthrowing a guy, just like he did Emmanuel Sanders in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Wildly inconsistent 49ers team. But uh, I think the Bengals take it just purely because they have more consistency. I know they like drop games to the Chargers and stuff, but if you actually look at it, besides the Chargers and the Jets, the Bengals have only ever lost a game by three points this season. They are a very, very impressive team. They they have played very, very well. They've got a ton of weapons, guys like Jamar Chase, but then he gets double covered. Tyler Boyd steps up. Then he gets covered. T. Higgins steps up. Then Joe Mixon, obviously, he's had more than three, I think, 100-yard rushing games this year where he's just looked exceptional. So I think the Bengals have pushed the pace on this, control the ball, uh, and I think whoever loses this, though, just despite the fact I'm picking the Bengals, I think whoever loses this, given both the divisions they're in, should say goodbye to their playoff hopes. Because I, I think if if you lose a game at this point with both teams' records, whoever loses is not going to make the playoffs. And if they do, it's a wild card spot that they don't really deserve. I love this stage of the season. Like I said, it's fun, is isn't it? This is when the games really matter, isn't it? Steve, we've touched on it earlier. I'm going to leave this one in your capable hands as our NFC East resident Washington hosts the Cowboys. Huge, huge game. Uh, as always, we don't know yet what Sky have picked. Sky have got a choice of three there, haven't they? Chiefs, Raiders, Browns, Ravens, Washington, Cowboys. I'm guessing they're going to go Washington, Dallas, but we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, huge, huge game in the NFC East, this one. Yeah, all of a sudden the NFC East has got a bit of a bit of hype behind it, and actually it doesn't look as dreadful as it did last year. And um, you know, we won't talk about the Giants, thankfully. Um, but you know, this this is all of a sudden a massive game because of Washington's four-game winning streak. Like, you know, you looked at this a couple of weeks back when Dallas was sort of seven and two and Washington were something like three and six, like you'd think, Oh, well, this is just going to be an easy Dallas win. But, you know, all of a sudden this, this game is not so wrapped up anymore. And, and the fact that they play them at home in, in Washington to start with, um, and then they've got a game against the Eagles and then they go to Dallas. So they play them. It's just like the Browns and the Ravens. They play them twice in three weeks. And, and I think Washington can beat Dallas. I think Dallas has shown, over the last few weeks that they are so reliant on their uh, receiving weapons. And, you know, don't get me wrong, their receiving weapons are elite. You know, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, you know, even their tight ends, Dalton Schultz is having a great season. Like, you know, the, this Dallas receiving core is, is elite. Of course it is. And you're going to rely on those when you when you have those guys. But when, you know, in the game when C.D. Lamb went down, when Amari Cooper was out on the COVID list, Michael Gallup was still injured. You know, they really, really struggled, really struggled. And I think if, you know, this Washington team is starting to come good, and I know at the start of the season, a lot of us 
Steelers had this Washington defense penciled as one of the best in the league. I don't think it's there now, but it's certainly getting better. And if they can keep this momentum running, you know, maybe if they can limit the Cowboys, because I think that's what's been the struggle with teams against the Cowboys this year is how do you stop that offense? You know, the defense isn't the greatest. They've got some good players. Trevon Diggs is, be- is becoming a bit of a star in the NFL. But, you know, the defense isn't the greatest and you can score on that defense. But it's how do you limit their offense? How do you stop them from putting up 35 plus points against you? And so if Washington can do that and if they can limit them to sort of, you know, 20, 25 points, it's going to be over to Taylor Heineke. And, and, and you know, and how do you how do they see the game planning out? And I think Washington, there is a route for Washington to win this game, but you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to see. And I think this might be a sort of a a down to earth game for Washington. If they lose it, you might think, okay, actually, you know, maybe we are, you know, getting a bit ahead of ourselves and Dallas is still going to win this division. But the thing is with NFC is that that the race for the playoffs and the sort of the, you know, the top five spots are already locked up with because LA and Arizona will take the, the number one seed or whatever seed and the fifth seed themselves. So it's those last two spots you're looking at in the NFC. And I think, Washington is still in it. I think San Francisco is still in it. Philadelphia is in it. I think even teams like the Saints and the Vikings are still in it. Like, you know, one or two wins, these teams put them together, then all of a sudden you're looking at a six or a seven seed in the playoffs. So, yeah, there's definitely still a lot to play for. Washington will go into this game really wanting to put a stamp on it and to beat a divisional rival. They've got five games now against divisional rivals. So let's see how it goes. But yeah, really interesting one. And um, I think I would probably take Dallas, but. you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington have pulled out some surprise results this season and it wouldn't be surprised if this was another one. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Kieran, can the Bills get back on track? As we mentioned earlier, difficult game to do so. They travel to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the books. I think they really benefit from the fact that, you know, I, I think every Bucks corner had like a leg fall off this year so far. It's been tough tough sled in for those guys. I think Josh Allen's really going to have to take advantage of that because, I mean, I mean, we know from just hours ago, they haven't got a run game. They haven't got anything to lean on in the run game. So I think this, this game's going to come down to Josh Allen and Tom Brady dueling out. We saw in the Buccaneers last game, Tom Brady threw 20 passes, I think, in the first quarter almost. I think he was at 18 passes in the first quarter. Bucks aren't going to do that against the Bills. They're going to have to run the ball, keep time of possession, limit Josh Allen throwing downfield because they know that secondary is exposed right now. This is a game I don't want to call, though, because Josh Allen can turn up and look like an MVP candidate. He can look like Superman, but also he can look like he did last night, which I know adverse weather conditions have affected him, but there have been a couple of games this year where he has just not looked himself. I think... Who is it? He threw four touch, four picks against somebody this year, or or is it three picks? He just looked bad. Um, but like I said, it could go the other way. He could be Superman. He could be, you know, just terrible. So it, it remains to see which Josh Allen we see. But if I'm going my head, I'm going to vote the Bucks. They are just the more complete team. Yeah, hard to disagree, mate. Hard to disagree. Um, like you say, you, you don't want to be too down on a team, but it's. You do fear for Buffalo. Well, I certainly fear for Buffalo anyway. Um, and everyone knows yeah. I'm such a Josh Allen fan and I've been so high yeah, on Buffalo yeah. ever since they drafted him and they had that massive upswing in his production and just the team last year, but still that run game, something they needed to fix, something I thought they would fix in the draft, but they just haven't addressed it. Uh, and I think that's going to be their downfall, especially in games like this when it very much matters to them. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, last couple on the schedule then, fellas. The Packers host the Bears Sunday night football. I believe if the Packers win, um, I believe they clinched the NFC North with a win. I think that's right. Or they certainly clinch um, a playoff spot with a win. You can't say anything other than a Packers win, so I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about that one. And the final game, Monday Night Football, good one on paper. Cardinals against the Rams. Um, really last chance saloon for the Rams, I suppose, if they have any intention on winning the division, Steve. Um, if the Cardinals win it, they open up a three-game lead. Um, and isn't isn't this the rivalry that we remember from a few weeks ago that the, the, the Rams own the Cardinals or the other way around? I can't remember which way around it is, but... Um, yeah, they certainly need to get this win, don't they, if they have any intention of overhauling the Cardinals down the last uh, three or four game stretch. Yeah, and it's um, the the Cardinals have got the Rams number. I think they've beaten them the last six or seven times. So it's it, it very much is the Cardinals have got the Rams number at the moment. And the Rams are such an interesting team because they, on paper, should be blowing this league away. You know, they should be sort of, you know, 11 and 1, 10 and 2, sort of, you know, right up there. They've got all the weapons. They've got the, the, the whiz kid coach in Sean McVay. You know, they've, they've traded away 600 years worth of first round draft picks to get all of their pieces in place. Um, and they've got a really, you know, a really good roster and they've got guys playing at a high level at the moment, you know, like Cooper Cup, you look at him and he's having a one hell of a season, but, they're just coming unstuck. They're just, you, you know, they're, they're, their offense is just stuttering. And and there was even moments in the Jaguars game, I know it was convincing in the end, but there was even moments in the first half where they just weren't getting stuff done. And you sort of look at it and think, well, if you can't beat this really bad Jaguars team, where are you going to get your victories? And you look down this Rams sort of season so far, and I don't know where, apart from, we discussed this a couple of weeks back, and apart from their win against the Buccaneers in week three, I don't know where their impressive wins come from. Because they lost to the Titans, they lost to the Packers, they lost to the Cardinals, they've got the Cardinals again this week, and then they finish up with the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Ravens and Ravens and the Niners. Like you look at this Rams team, and if you're a if you're an NFC playoff contender and you're looking at potentially hosting the Rams, because the Rams are probably good unless they can beat the, the Cardinals, they're probably gonna be the, the fifth seed and the Cardinals will take that division. You've got to be looking at that and thinking, you know, I'd come and bring it on. I'd I'd love to host the Rams because at the moment I don't think they've they've got enough to to win and go all the way in terms of the playoffs. And this will be really frustrating for Sean McVay and for for, for Rams fans because they brought in Stafford to to elevate them further from where Goff got them. Goff got them to a level and he was then had a ceiling where they couldn't get any further than that and that showed in the Super Bowl. And then they brought in Stafford and he is obviously a better quarterback than Goff, but they still seem to have this ceiling. Um and I, and I don't know what the answer is. I think, you know, you, you there's there's potentially questions in you know you look at someone like Aaron Donald is he having a, as dominant a year as he usually does um you know Jalen Ramsey's been quite quiet you know I mean defenses you don't necessarily pick individual players so much but I just yeah I just I, this Rams team is I think they're a bit flattering to deceive they're eight and four those eight wins have had one maybe two sort of really impressive wins in there and actually if they lose to the Cardinals and they go to eight and five. <sighs> What? Where does this Rams team go from here? Because they've said it themselves; they're all in. They said that themselves. Like, what are you all in for if you're eight and five? 
Um, absolutely, mate. Like I say, this is the thing now. We're at that business end, aren't we? And like I say, some of these teams that are on the periphery and potentially still in contention of things, all of a sudden, one result and things can look an awful lot more gloomy, can't they? Um, like I say, there's still a couple of teams to actually have a bye week. The Eagles take a week off this week, as do the Patriots. I believe then that's all of the boys out the way. I think they're the last two teams, aren't they, to have boys? Um, oh, sorry, as well as the Dolphins and the Colts. There's four teams on a bye. Week 14 bye. How absolutely, Sh- utterly ridiculous. Sh- should I give my interest in bye week stat? You can do. Yeah, so that's a lovely way to wrap it up. And as you as you specifically said to me, can I come on the podcast? Because I really want to talk about the Patriots. It seems like an apt way to finish the podcast. So take it away, my friend. So since 2016, the... The Super Bowl champion has been decided by the bye week, essentially. So in 2016, the the Super Bowl champion is the New England Patriots, and they had week nine bye week. In 2017, it was the team that had the week 10 bye week. In 2018, week 11, week 12, 13, and then as we get on to 2021, logic says it's the week 14 team that, that will win the Super Bowl this year. Now. The four teams are the Patriots, uh, Dolphins, Eagles, and Colts. And the number one seed in the AFC right now. There you go, folks. There's no point We're watching back. until no point watching until February the 13th. Kieran's told you there with scientific evidence that the New England Patriots are going to win the pa- Super Bowl. Patriots, Bucks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the hype that would surround that for a fortnight? And we've seen what happens to the Bucks in regular season. They got swept by the Saints, but then beat them in the playoffs. So maybe New England can pull the reverse. Could well do. How how mad would you be if it's not the Patriots of the Week 14 by teams and it's the Colts and Carson Wentz of all people beats you in the AFC Championship game and then wins the Super Bowl? (laughs) I would. Drive down to Indiana and set something on fire. (laughs) (laughs) The Carson Wentz redemption story continues. There we go. Listen, fellas, it's been a blast as always. Like Steve said, it almost felt like a bit of a normal week for the change in the NFL. Um, But we will wait and see what week 14 throws up. Like I said, we certainly are at that business in end of the season now where all the games take on extra importance and meaning. We'll be back, of course, next week to wrap it all up and look forward to what will be week 15 when we get into all sorts of fun in terms of Saturday games and all of that kind of good stuff. So plenty to get our teeth into. Keep everything peeled and on full10yards.com and all of the good content that we're putting out between now and then we will catch you all next week on the full 10 yards nfl podcast thanks for listening to the podcast don't forget to find us on all our social channels twitter instagram facebook tiktok and youtube head over to our website full10yards.com where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game